This week's episode features Returnless Returns, AWOL Listings, a curious advisory from the IRS, and if you're watching on YouTube, a new look to the studio. What is up, Galaxians? Welcome to yet another episode of the Galaxy CDs, Rocks, and Flips Reseller Talk podcast. For those of you joining me this morning on YouTube, welcome to the new look. <laughs> uh, the Batcave had gotten entirely too messy, and I wasn't comfortable uh, with that being on here anymore. So we went with a backdrop, and uh, you can let me know in the comments whether you like or dislike the change. But uh, so far, I'm reasonably happy with it, and it doesn't get in my way. So uh, with that being said, if this is your first time here at the channel or to the podcast, my name is Ryan, and I am a full-time reseller, part-time YouTuber, and podcaster bringing you reselling news and updates every Wednesday morning, almost every Wednesday morning, I guess, at uh, 10 a.m. Eastern. So be sure to put that on your calendar. With that all being said, we have got a ton of interesting and in some cases very odd news today. So let's get straight to it. News updates. So we're going to start with the uh, returnless return phenomenon. This is something that I've talked about on this show a couple of times previously that big retailers are doing where I've had it actually happen to me where I purchased a couple of fairly small items. I think it was less than $4 from Amazon. The item did not work as I needed it to work. I told Amazon I wanted to return it. They gave me my money back and told me to keep the item. That is a trend that unfortunately is continuing, and it could ultimately impact small sellers in a very negative way. So this year, more major retailers are implementing a just keep it return policy that could be detrimental to small sellers. Narvar provided data that suggests that the practice among large retailers and marketplaces grew in 2021, they say exacerbated by supply chain issues and consumer behavior. Uh, we'll talk about that a little further in in on in here, but the consumer behavior thing has been created in many cases, by these large retailers, something we've talked about previously on this show. Uh, a majority of shoppers buy items knowing they will return it, according to the company, a practice that it calls bracketing. Narvar's fifth annual state of returns report revealed that 60% of shoppers are buying multiple items at the same time with the intent to return some of them, mainly because they cannot try products in the store or are unfamiliar with the brand, the company said. Using its consumer tell-all research, Narvar found that 60% of the items that customers were allowed to keep instead of return were priced under $20. So that's not too hateful. But, unfortunately, nearly 20% of the products were priced over $50, which is mind-blowing to me. Amazon, Walmart, Target, Wayfair, Chewy, Wish... Kohl's and Shine were the most common retailers cited. I didn't realize Wish even sold anything. <laughs> uh, and approaching anything like that kind of dollar amount, but most of the stuff I've ever seen on there is cheap, cheap, cheap. Anyway, what this means, Narvar said, is popular retailers have a habit of letting loyal customers keep products instead of returning them, especially, and this is key, if the price of the original purchase is less than it would cost to process the return. Now, if you're a company the size of Amazon, you can afford 
to do that because you've got enough scale. But if you're a, a seller like me or most of you that might be watching or listening, you don't have the financial wherewithal. I mean, you're, it's kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't thing. But on a, an item that's over 50 bucks, you almost have to take the thing back. You can't just offer the customer the opportunity to keep the item. Number one, it opens it up, obviously, to scammers galore. But number two, it just doesn't make financial sense for a small independent seller. Uh, with the global supply chain shortage, one can predict that low-priced items might be harder to come by online due to a lack of inventory. And on top of that, of course, customers being allowed to keep those items even if they would have returned them. Sadly, a TV news program in Boston picked up the story about these, this growing just-keep-it-returns trend, and they were dismayed to hear the co-anchor say it made her want to try it just to see if she could get an item for free. That is the other downside to this. People are just going to try you on um, and see if they can get you to keep an item. Uh, I just did this for somebody. They bought like a $5.25 free shipping DVD that had been in my inventory for over a year and was marked way, way down. They got it, and it wasn't what they thought it was, and they wanted to return it. And I just said, hey, you know what? It's going to cost almost as much to ship the thing back to me as you paid for it to begin with, which would put me in the hole on this thing. How about if you just keep it and I refund your money? And to their credit, they said, you know what? Now nah, it's it's not worth all that. I'll just keep it. It was only $5. So <laughs> uh, sometimes making that offer from a customer service standpoint does work out and is beneficial to do. But again, as a small seller on a bigger item, uh, that's probably all bad. As I talked about at the beginning of this segment, large retailers were responsible for the myth of quote-unquote free shipping and free returns, which not only pressured smaller retailers to offer such policies, but also resulted in marketplaces pressuring their third-party sellers to offer overly generous policies, calling them, quote, retail standard. eBay and their top-rated seller program is famous for this. They want you to offer free returns and next day or one day handling times and all the rest of that. So there is a lot of pressure from these bigger marketplaces for small sellers to implement some of these policies. Now, I'm not sure that they could force you to be in a position where you would give a refund and let a customer keep an item. Amazon may do that. They may be paying that and allowing also the third-party seller to keep their money as well. And in that case, if eBay does that, I would be totally fine with it. But if they expect you as the individual business to give that money back and let the customer keep the item, that would be a bridge too far for me. The article points out, that large retailers do get volume discounts from shipping carriers, and they have sophisticated programs that help them decide when to offer that just-keep-it policy to a shopper. Shoppers, however, as we've talked about previously, don't differentiate between large retailers and small sellers when making returns, or in most cases, even purchases. They're buying from Amazon or eBay. They don't recognize necessarily that they're buying it from an individual, which puts you in kind of an awkward position. So let me know if you're here live what you think of that. You can drop it in the chat. If you're watching the replay, you can leave me a comment. If you are listening to the podcast, you can click the link in the show notes below to leave me a voice message, which I may play in a future episode, or you can email me at galaxycds at gmail.com. Jumping over real quick here into the chat. Uh, Rebel Junk, the back drop is night, but you really didn't need to worry about the condition of the Batcave. 
Uh, thanks. That was, that was just a personal thing. It just bothered me for some reason. So a TRB Collectibles uh, says to Aaron Rebel Junk, not doing bad so far. It's been a good sales year, consistent from the holidays. So that's that's interesting. My business has actually been better in the first whatever we are five days of January than it was most of December, which is really unusual. Um, I will talk about a promotion I'm running here in a little bit. Uh, TRB collectibles. I do the same, but also with large items, especially when the shipping will essentially delete the profit on the return. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense to pay more in shipping than the profit of the item. And then you have to try to resell it again. And so sometimes it, it may make sense to do that, but more often than not, to avoid the scammer aspect of it, you almost have to at least make the customer believe that you're going to make them return it. Moving on, uh, this is an interesting article over on the ArgusLeader.com. Uh, Five Etsy shops in Sioux Falls that are using Instagram and other social media for their best sales yet in 2021. Small business is booming. And for five Sioux Fall online retail sellers, that meant success in 2021 online as the pandemic and interest in shopping online grew their business. Several, they say, had just started within the last 24 months, which mirrors a nationwide trend. U.S. business formations rose by nearly 42% in 2020, according to U.S. Census data. This year brought on the rise of Etsy. I don't know about that. Etsy's been around <laughs> uh, for quite a while, but they have experienced quite a bit of growth. Uh, a site to list crafts for local artisans, entrepreneurs, and others looking to add a little extra cash. As more people turn to side hustles, second jobs, or even launch their own full-time business, platforms like Instagram and Etsy, a creative seller's site to grow into the billions of dollars. That's big growth to capitalize and grow on for startup crafters. These local sellers' takeaways are similar, finding Instagram great for art and advertising, and Etsy, they say, the best website to sell on. This featured more the crafts type people, people that are making art or paintings or specialty items as opposed to kind of the traditional resellers. Um, they make comments such as started out small with a few listings, eventually grew my inventory and listings to where they are today. I would still consider myself in the startup stage, but each year I gradually increase my sales and 2021 has been my best year yet. Since my art and products are more visual, I enjoy posting on Instagram. Another one, her, my, her favorite platform is Instagram. And she says, my views on Etsy are already up about a thousand percent, not exaggerating. Another seller says that social media is a big part of selling online, being able to reach people any place with an interest in South Dakota items. This is a specialty seller that sells particular items for South Dakota. Is a great access. Uh, asset. They said, I'm experimenting also with TikTok. Art Moms and Art Moms Holiday Boutique says Facebook, Instagram, and more drive sales to their Etsy site, which eventually led them to launch their own website as well. So this is a really interesting article. Um, I'm not going to go over it in a ton of detail, but I will link to it in the show notes and the video description below. As always, it's interesting. Do you use Instagram or Facebook to market your eBay, Etsy, Poshmark store. I currently am not. I'm probably bad at that. The only thing I'm doing with Instagram really is trying to promote this podcast and the YouTube channel. I'm not really using it to try to highlight items 
to consumers. So I may need to start <laughs> uh, yet another Instagram account just for that purpose. But if you're using that in that way, let, let us know in the comments or in the chat. And how successful has it been for you? Is it Does it give you a lift in sales? Uh, back in the chat here real quick. TRB collectibles based on the size of your YouTube, Instagram. Have you seen more sales on eBay from viewers? I've a few here and there. I've got a couple of people, particularly locally, that have hit up the antique booth, uh, which an interesting side note on the antique booth. For the last two months, I've been running everything 20% off. Prior to that time, I had had one month in almost a year where I had actually covered my rent. I put a 20% off sale. And the last two months, both, I have made money over there. So I'm running 20% off again at the antique booth. If you're local and you're looking for some old records or books or DVDs, head over to Westchester Antique Center, booth 604. It's all 20% off. (laughs) Uh, Americans are finding it harder to resell their secondhand goods as inventory swells. This was an interesting article to me because it runs a little bit counterintuitive to what we normally would think is the situation out there. Uh, Kara Hoholik started thrifting several years ago to freshen up her children's wardrobes and make some money selling what they had outgrown. She said it was a financial decision, but I also wanted to do things more sustainably and it was fun. I would just put everything that I wanted to resell in a large clean out bag. So she's probably using something like, what is it, ThreadUp that does that. Uh, and ship it from my porch, the mother of three from Grand Rapids said. She said she made at least $1,000 a year in cash and credit as a co- uh, consigner. It was convenient and easy. However, she says when it became trendy to be sustainable, consignment shops both in person and law- online started getting pickier about what they would and wouldn't take. Noting that one online resale platform stopped sending out cleanout bags and even turned down some of the brand new with I, with tags items that she tried to send in. As the secondhand market continues to explode, as we've talked about previously on this show, it's projected to double in the next five years to about $77 billion annually. Guidelines are getting even stricter as excess supply piles up. There's not much demand for that perfect pencil skirt or other things that seem so yesterday. Why invest in a cashmere sweater to wear around the house? Referring to people now working so much from home. They're only going to accept, of course, what their client base is going to take. While this means better selection for buyers, there are consequences beyond stricter guidelines for consigners, said Adele Meyer, the executive director of the Association of Resale Professionals. I did not know uh, that there was even such a thing. Association of Resale Professionals. If you've ever heard of that, let me know. If you're a member of that, uh, let us know if it's a worthwhile thing to look into. I just found this article, so I haven't had a chance to check that out, but that is an interesting group. They say it's taking longer to process items and get them to the floor. Customer service is overwhelmed. Things are getting lost. And there's a shortage of qualified workers that nearly every industry is facing. The supply chain issues have turned everything upside down. It's starting to show, said Amanda Morse, co-founder of List Perfectly. Uh, Shameless plug. Uh, If you are interested in cross-posting, there is a link in the show notes in the description below to save 30% off your first month of a List Perfectly subscription. Just as a personal example, I started using it in March and I grew my sales on Mercari, which is the only site that I'm cross listing to from about eight to nine hundred dollars a year to six thousand dollars 
in 2021. So it is absolutely worth the money. Uh, list perfectly, which helps sellers list and cross post products from used shoes to electronics on 12 major online platforms from Tradesy to Poshmark. AI, she notes, which is where the industry is going, is making things worse because you're removing the human component and eliminating personalized service. Plus, if you do one thing that the AI doesn't like, you can be banned from the site. And there have been a lot of posts recently, people getting banned from Depop and others for violating their policies. So be be aware of that. The the AI, she is not your friend or he. I don't know what we do. What do we put on the AI? He or she or it. <laughs> Uh, thrift stores around the country, they say, are getting a deluge of donations and bins are overflowing. I even know of a consignment shop near Central Park that's giving things away for free. So if there's one of those in your area, uh, go check it out. Sounds like a good resource. The problem with this, of course, becomes if this inventory actually becomes too much. If there's too much of it out there and too much of it online, it's going to drive, obviously, the retail selling price down. If I can go to the consignment shop in Central Park and pick something up for free, why would I buy it from you on Poshmark for $20, $30, $40? So be aware of that. It's a great opportunity right now potentially to source some things, but watch for some pressure on retail selling prices. Moving on to Etsy and the just dreadful star seller program. I know I've talked about this 20 times. (laughs) It seems like every week there's another problem with the Star Seller program. This week, the article over on e-commerce Bytes says, is it harmful to seller morale despite their best efforts to qualify for the Etsy Star Seller program? A number of sellers say the program is unattainable due to flaws in its design and implementation. Post-Christmas, many Etsy Etsy sellers are being hit with one to three-star reviews due to late deliveries by postal carriers. Side note, as I've talked about over the last month or so, my my personal one local issue notwithstanding, I thought USPS did a much, much better job this year than last. I only, other than that initial big shipment from the weekend of Thanksgiving that was lost locally, I only had one item out of several hundred that was delayed by USPS through the holiday shipment. So I, kudos to the post office. I thought they did Overall, a much, much, much better job this year than last. That being said, it was not completely problem-free, and it has impacted some of these sellers. Uh, Even though the items were dispatched on time, and in some cases customers ordered after the last order date for delivery before Christmas. In Etsy Star Seller Admin, under the Reviews section, it says, sometimes we can remove a negative review when it's about something you couldn't control, like a late delivery caused by a carrier. Yet... They say when a seller reports a one to three star list listing review that just complains that the item hasn't been received yet or arrived late, Etsy is refusing to remove the review. And this is something that we talked about, I believe, last week. It seems like almost regardless of what the situation is, Etsy is not going in and changing or removing these one to three star reviews, which is really problematic. You can't tell your sellers that you're going to protect them in this way and then not do so. So uh, this has been an ongoing situation over at Etsy. Uh, Another factor sellers indicate, and this is something we've also talked about here, that buyers who have not upgraded to the latest version of the Etsy mobile app 
are unable to leave a five-star review because it's cut off on the right-hand side of the screen. They only see four stars. A seller suggested what they call a simple fix Etsy for the short term could choose to stop weighing four-star reviews the same as a one-star review. So apparently Etsy considers anything less than five stars to be an F. (laughs) Uh, Amazing. Sellers are also expected with the Star Seller Program to respond to all messages, which can lead to confusion. One seller whose buyer sent three rapid-fire messages quickly responded to the last message and then learned that they were not, or learned rather that they were, penalized for not responding to all three, which is ridiculous. Uh, Others have issues with Etsy's autoresponder, which we talked about previously, uh, which apparently has to be reset Every five days. How ridiculous is that? I don't mean to sound like I just am constantly slamming on Etsy, but man, there are just some bad, bad decisions (laughs) uh, on this program. How hard is it to have a system whereby if you don't respond in a certain time, the auto response is sent should you choose to enable it? Now, I'm not sure I agree with that. I would just have the auto responder on. It should be on or off. There should be no time limit. And you can put in a nice generic, hey, thank you so much for your order. If we have any further questions, we will reach out to you. Otherwise, look for your item to ship in the next X number of days and just be done with it. And that would take care of this problem. Etsy, of course, would say they want their sellers to individually respond to all of these messages, which is for a larger seller, probably overwhelming, particularly if a buyer, like in this case, sends multiple messages all kind of at the same time. In December 2021, one seller points out one of our Etsy shops met all of Etsy's criteria for the star seller badge. We also got an email saying we are a star seller for December 2021. Still, to our surprise, the star seller badge that we worked hard to maintain was removed from our Etsy shop. The seller was told it was a technical issue, but said as an avid reader of e-commerce bytes where this article is appearing... We wanted to know if any other business owners were experiencing this same issue with the star seller badge missing from their Etsy shop. This is the other situation that is plaguing Etsy. We have not heard back from Etsy regarding this issue since their last message to us and are still waiting to see if we will get the star seller badge back for January. So as we talked about a couple of weeks ago with Mercari, as we've talked about numerous times with Etsy, their response they expect you as a seller to respond to your buyer to every single message yet they for their own part essentially are ignoring your messages so it's a really bad look unfortunately all the way around over at etsy uh let's jump back into the chat here real quick trb collectibles don't forget to post Josie the cat. <laughs> yeah, Josie will still be making appearances uh, on the Instagram account at Galaxy CDs Rocks. Uh, Star Seller update. It has been a while, but I doubt it has improved. No, it has not. Uh, Rebel Junk says, I agree. U- USPS did a great job this year. Yeah, I think if I remember right, you had just the one package that was a lot of drama, but overall, very, very pleased this year with the post office. This doesn't really affect resellers directly so i'm not going to spend a ton of time on it but carvana is listing cars on ebay but has absolutely dismal feedback carvana lists these cars on ebay but it kicked off the new year with a 75 percent positive rating and poor detailed seller ratings only three stars for communication and four stars for item as described 
There are signs of trouble, however, beyond that grim feedback. A few people on a thread over on Reddit started eight months ago said it appeared to them that Carvana was not updating their eBay listings after cars sold elsewhere. That could be a problem. Uh, Sold something they didn't have, wrote one buyer. The cars they offer on eBay are not available, wrote another. A third car was not even available. They don't respond to messages on eBay at all. I had to call the company to find out that they don't have it. They said it didn't even show anywhere in their system. They have no explanations for anything. I hate to leave negative feedback because of the positive dealings I've had with the company other than on eBay, but maybe this will get their attention and they can fix the issues. The other thing that is rumored and has been rumored for big sellers a couple times is that it appears that on a fairly regular basis, maybe as often as once a month, eBay is wiping their feedback slate clean. They point out it is not the first time a seller has accused eBay of engaging in feedback cleansing for big brand sellers. So a cautionary tale, if you are cross-posting and cross-listing, obviously it's really important, particularly on eBay, where it can affect your seller rating quite a bit to make sure that you delete items that you've sold elsewhere, whether it be on your website or Poshmark or wherever. you got to get those things off of there because eBay does not like that at all. Uh, Let's see here. We'll go back to the chat. Uh, Have fun flipping. Tim says, I like the backdrop. However, have you considered having a giant picture of Josie behind you? Uh, I'm not sure what I would do with a lion-sized Josie, like looking over my shoulder. (laughs) Uh, Those of you who are listening to the podcast think this whole thing is ridiculous, I'm sure. But uh, TRB Collectibles Etsy Star Seller Program is an absolute mess. They knew it too, but will still not address the concern. And uh, TRB Collectibles seconds Tim's notion that the backdrop (laughs) needs to be a giant photo of Josie. Uh, This is more of a question, really, than a comment. This comes up from time to time. A seller sent a message to the blog over at e-commerce bites and said there was a topic I would like to hear more about when I do inventory. It ends up that I have 80 listings that are missing in my eBay store. They have mentioned this before and they're wondering if sellers are taking inventory of your items. So do you, if you are a listener or a viewer, take inventory of your items and compare them to current listings on eBay? For me, that's really not a practicable solution. Uh, I have almost 7,800 listings active right now. So there's no way that I could begin. I don't keep that inventory separate somewhere else. It's all on those sites. So there's no way for me really to go back and check. But sellers have complained regularly over the years about eBay just randomly losing their listings. So have you experienced this yourself? Do you have listings that you found that have disappeared? Uh, I've actually had more issues of the opposite where a listing gets duplicated and I'm, I'm showing two of them rather than one, which of course I don't find out until (laughs) uh, someone buys the non-existent second item. There's another issue going on on eBay, which has also gone on for some time. Dimensional weight is wreaking havoc on eBay combined shipping. A seller wrote in, I had an instance last week where a buyer did combined purchase on two different items, both of which were large. eBay combined the weights, but not The size, the individual sizes were just under a cubic foot each, but when you combined them, of course, it was almost double. eBay allowed me only the size of the one item when they calculated the shipping charges to collect from the buyer. As we've talked about over the last couple of months, this is going to be particularly important going forward 
because the USPS is changing how they view this dimensional weight thing. And based on size, it could be significantly more expensive and just instead of just a lot more expensive, which is where it's at right now. So this could be a real problem. Uh, if eBay does not get it fixed, one commenter wrote, uh, this has been a long outstanding bug in the eBay shipping system. They cite the example, if you have an item that's two pounds, 14 by 14 by 14, and a buyer buys two of them, the eBay calculated shipping charge to the buyer is based on four pounds, 14, 14, 14, not four pounds, 14, 14 by 28, which would take it into a whole nother realm of shipping cost. So something to be aware of, something to watch out for. I have not had that experience. I don't ship a lot of large items and really the bigger ones I do generally qualify for media mail because they're collections of books. So this isn't something that I have experienced, but I can see where it could be potentially an issue for people. An issue eBay is having. They say they have no idea why Facebook has removed eBay groups. Uh, rumors had begun circulating after Christmas that some groups with eBay in their names had been taken down from Facebook. The rumors have spurred some owners to proactively change the names of their groups, which could have given more credence to the rumors as people noticed the changes. Dom, who is uh, runs Primetime Treasure Hunter on YouTube, also has a Facebook group called Reselling Resource Center for eBay, Etsy, Amazon, FBA, Poshmark, and more. Another title that does not exactly roll off the tongue. But he informed his members of the rumors and said he was not going to take action until he verified the reports. On Wednesday, last Wednesday, eBay published a post stating it had heard a small number of Facebook groups with eBay in the name were removed a few days ago. They said as soon as the removals were brought to their attention, they began actively investigating the cause. Quote, currently the team is working directly with Facebook to reinstate the groups that were removed. They say, finally, anyone who has proactively changed the name of their Facebook group to remove eBay is encouraged to reinstate the old name, though it also advised sellers to be sure to comply with Facebook group rules and with their own. E-Commerce Bytes points out that that is surprising advice, given how fiercely eBay has protected its intellectual property over the years, suing or threatening to sue, and a whole list of sites that used Bay in their name. This is problematic because, of course, Facebook is now actively pursuing those same buyers and sellers with Facebook Marketplace. They have been making inroads into e-commerce and has been particularly successful in attracting eBay sellers to Facebook Marketplace. eBay seems to turn a blind eye to any competitive threat they may pose, appearing comfortable with the, quote, frenemy status. eBay and all of these sites and most of us as sellers, uh, my previous statement notwithstanding, uh, rely on social media as a way to interact with its customers. Many sellers, myself included, have reported that eBay actually provides better customer service through Facebook than on its own platform. And that is absolutely the case. I have had much better success over the years sending a message directly to Facebook for business on Facebook than I have reaching out to anyone at actual eBay. So I'm going to jump back in the chat here real quick. CRB Collectibles, I remember a couple weeks ago, we talked about how you don't use store categories. Have you thought about using categories for the genre, author, book, magazine? I don't know. Again, I, I'm i a little on the fence. I don't really know how many people search a particular store like that. So, And again, for me to go back retroactively on 7,800-odd listings would be a daunting task, <laughs> to say the least. 
Uh, better health blessings. I'm sure I need to take a better inventory. 3,700 items is overwhelming. Sometimes I will see an item and think that it should have sold, look it up and find it is no longer listed on eBay. So yeah, there you go. There's an instance where you see something and you check it, just spot check, which maybe is what most of us should be doing. Just once in a while, pick an item at random and make sure that your listing is still valid. In my case, Almost every day, I sell an item that I know I have had listed for well over a year, in some cases as many as two or two and a half years. So I'm still getting activity on those older listings, which leads me to believe that by and large, this is probably a pretty isolated issue. Poshmark is running several promotions. One is aimed at buyers. They seek new buyers at $20 a pop. Uh, They were running a marketing promotion in which it is giving away credits of $20 for making a purchase. Quote, start your style revival on Poshmark. Find trending styles for prices you won't find anywhere else. Get $20 when you make a purchase to put towards your next order. So good on Poshmark for going after buyers. They are also apparently running some promotions for sellers. Uh, Some of these may have been targeted only to ambassadors, but uh, Liz who is affiliated, again, with List Perfectly recommends that you check the Poshmark campaign status to see if you qualify for any of these. Poshmark is doing daily deals. Every day, they will list a new listing campaign, accept, complete the challenge, and get paid $5. Uh, these are in addition to another post uh, with January listing payouts to sellers. So if you sell on Poshmark, be sure you check your campaign listing There are some just from the screenshot that is on this Facebook post that are good all the way out to early February. Holiday sales, Amazon bragging yet once again, Amazon third-party sellers racked up 11.5 thousand sales per minute during the holidays. Uh, They said in a post lauding their third-party partnership with sellers together, they say we make a great team. They also point out that over 130,000 third-party sellers surpassed $100,000 in sales in top categories like office products, cameras, and wine-related products. Another stat they point out that would be more interesting if it actually revealed something. This holiday season, the number of handmade makers, artists and entrepreneurs selling through Amazon Handmade, who surpassed 100000 in sales, grew by double digits over last year. So this is their... Shot across the bow of Etsy. So Amazon Handmade, you'd be going after kind of the same folks that are making whatever the crafty type items. The stat in and of itself doesn't really tell us much. It says that that number grew double digits. Well, if last year it was one and this year it was 11, (laughs) uh, it grew by double digits. So given the limited amount of information in that press release, it's, it's interesting news, but it doesn't really tell us a whole bunch. Finally, we've got a couple of updates from the wonderful IRS. We talked a little bit last week about tax issues. I'm not going to, again, give you any tax advice other than to notify you that the tax filing deadline has been changed this year. It will not be April 15th, if you weren't aware. April 15th is traditionally tax day for the IRS, but that is not the case this year. It has to do with holidays in the federal capital. April 16th is Emancipation Day in Washington, D.C. The holiday commemorates the date in 1862 when President Abraham Lincoln signed the District of Columbia Compensated Emancipation Act 
freeing 3,000 slaves in the D.C. area. It has been celebrated in the nation's capital since 2005. Because that holiday falls this year on a Saturday, it will officially be observed on the closest weekday, which is Friday, April 15th, which would normally be tax day. That is closing city and federal offices in D.C. That means tax day is getting pushed back until Monday, April 18th for everyone except residents of Maine and Massachusetts. Those states are April 19th because they observe Patriots Day on the 18th. That is also the last day to request an automatic extension for an extra six months to file a return and for payment of taxes due. So mark that in your calendars. You've got an extra couple of days this year on the taxes. Now for the for the news of the weird. Uh, the IRS reminds taxpayers that income from dealing drugs and stolen property must be reported. Yeah, right. Good luck with that. The IRS doesn't want you to forget to include income from dealing illegal drugs or stolen property on your tax forms this year. They say, quote, income from illegal activities such as money from dealing illegal drugs must be included in your income on Schedule 1, Form 1040, Line 8Z, or on Schedule C, because as a drug dealer, I'm sure you're filing as a sole proprietor. (laughs) Uh, Schedule C, Form 1040, if from your self-employment activity, the IRS website states. They also add, if you steal property, you must report its fair market value in your income in the year you steal it, unless you return it to its rightful owner in the same year. The website states, it also includes bribes, In this advisory, if you receive a bribe, include it in your income. Wow. How? That's amazing. (laughs) Just amazing. Uh, TRB Collectibles talking about taxes and end of year. How were your 2021 sales for the year? Yeah. So I wasn't planning on doing like the business recap, but overall, December, as I talked about, I think last week was pretty mediocre. I was down when it was all said and done. I finished down about 25% to the previous December. For the year, overall, I was up just short of 11% to last year, most of which can probably be attributed to my use of lists perfectly and cross-posting things over to Mercari, which netted me an extra almost five grand in sales. So overall, no complaints for the year. It was better than the year previously. Margins were actually a little bit better as well. My cost of goods sold was down. I scored, uh, if you've been following along at home for any amount of time, you know I got multiple, multiple free book hauls over the year with a cost of goods sold of zero on probably four or 5,000 items. That has been obviously incredibly helpful to margins all the way around. So yeah, let us know in the comments or in the chat how your 2021 looks like it shaked out if you've taken a peek at that just yet. I'm I'm one of those that does that like on New Year's Day because I don't have much of a life. <laughs> uh, so I pulled my sales reports just to have a look and see what things looked like compared to last year. And that all in, pretty good. I was I was pretty happy with it. Rebel Jump. Rebel Junk rather says, like, is that the IRS trying to be funny? I don't know that the IRS has a funny bone. (laughs) Uh, I don't think they do. I think they are serious all the time. And I think they, they actually mean the stuff they say, though I don't think that one is going to be well, well, well received in the drug dealing community. 
So speaking of sales, let's have a quick look at some items that sold over the last week that you might find interesting. Here I will point out, I put a link in the show notes and the video description below. I am running, I have got, as I mentioned earlier, about 7,800 listings, some of which have gotten quite old. So I have sales running right now on about 22 to 2,300 items for 50% off. So click the link in the description and the show notes below if you're interested in taking a look at that. The way eBay sets up promotions that I run, I had to do like I think four or five separate sale events, but everything in all of those is 50% off. There are all kinds of things, books, magazines, trinkets, sporting goods, all kinds of stuff. So if you're interested in taking a look at that, uh, follow that link and go check out my store. That being said, let's have a look at a few things that sold over the last week. This is not a big sale, but it just was such an interesting item. So this is a movie schedule calendar from the Dayton Repertory Theater from July through September of 1987. This is, it looks like a newspaper print calendar, two-sided, that was just randomly in a box of other stuff. I looked it up. I didn't really see anything like this out there. I tried it at an auction starting at like 10 bucks. Didn't get any action on it. So I figured I've got whatever, 50,000 free listings a month. Just list the thing and see what happens. I put it up there for $12.99 plus customer paid first class shipping and somebody bought it. So this is an item that my cost of goods sold is zero on. It was part of a free haul. It's just a random thing, again, that was stuck in. I've talked about that previously. Depending on your store setup and whether you want to mess around with stuff like this, I don't know. It's a gross sale with shipping of about $17 on a cost of goods sold to zero. I essentially make my living doing those things. I highlight every week a handful of kind of big things that sold, but by and large, I'm selling a lot of this like $10, $12, $15 stuff to, to make my regular living. So... It's a bit of a grind, uh, but this stuff is really, it's interesting to see sell. Here is a collection of books. This is a lot of old science fiction books that individually did not really have much value. I lotted up eight of them from a bunch of different authors and listed them for, I think it was $19.99 on eBay with free shipping or $20 with free shipping over on Mercari. They have been up there for quite some time, but finally sold eight books for 20 bucks. Cost of goods sold on this whole collection was probably about $3.250. So not a terrible flip. Again, this is the opportunity where when you get those big hauls of books, and uh, Katie Reeds is going through this right now from the looks of her Instagram, she has got a storage unit full of books, and she'll probably do something similar you're going to have some duds. You're going to have some things that just, they're worth $4 free shipping on eBay, which just doesn't make any sense. But if you can lot them up by genre, by author, or in some way to put together lots of two, three, or four with combined shipping, you can make out okay on some of these rather than just donating them or throwing them away. So I do this a lot. I will lot up two cookbooks or two science fiction books, or like in the case of this, sometimes 8, 10, or 12, and you can end up all right on them. This was a $20 sale with free shipping. Paperback books are reasonably light. This probably costs less than 5 bucks to ship media mail. So all in, not a terrible sale. Interesting old CD. I had this thing listed for 
gosh, I don't know, 50 bucks. It's a rare out-of-print promo EP from a band called Red Belly called Scraps. Came out in 1995. Promo CDs can be very hard to find. I had this thing listed, I think, for $29.99 or best offer. I had a customer reach out and say, what's the lowest you'll take on it? I've had this thing for a year and a half. I said, how about 20 bucks? And he said, how about yes? <laughs> uh, my cost of goods sold is a gigantic, this is for you, Aaron, 3.7 cents. <laughs> oh, man. Let's let's jump back into the chat here real quick. Uh, TRB Collectibles talking about sales did a little bit better than last year, which I'm happy about. Repositioning my eBay, so hoping for more consistent sales and a better 2022. Uh, let us know what you're doing when you say repositioning your eBay store. Uh, do you did you do more dealer drives this year than last? That's for those of you who are new to the channel. I used to work in car sales at a Volkswagen store. I am still on their payroll. Uh, mostly so I can get discounted oil changes. <laughs> uh, but I do occasionally do what they call dealer trade drives is I'll drive. I've driven as far as St. Louis to pick up a car for a customer. And I actually did much, much less driving last year than the year before for two reasons. Number one, I've been too busy. So I turned down some drives, particularly over the last month. And number two, with the ongoing new car shortage, the sales just aren't there. So they have not had nearly as much for me to do. Rebel Junk, I end up with some duds in auction lots. Try to list most of what I get. Yeah, I, I try to list as much as I can. Eventually, I get overrun with stuff, which is why I ponied up for a storage unit. But yeah, I, I try to list almost everything in one way or another. Moving on with the what sold, uh, part of a collection that I bought, gosh, I don't know, it's probably a couple of months ago now, the collected works of Alexandra Dumas, the Giant International Series. This is a series of books that were published in the 1920s and 1930s. I've got, man, I don't know, 15 or 18 different volumes. I've listed most of them that are in pretty good condition for $29.99 plus shipping. I got a best, actually, I think I sent out an offer on this for 15% off and sold it for $25.49 with shipping. I believe this went through the global shipping program and is on its way to Canada, which I mentioned in my music podcast. If you're not familiar with that, uh, Ryan's Random Record Hour over on Spotify, go check that out. Uh, but I mentioned in that podcast that uh, Canada is my favorite country that I do not live in. This was a really interesting book. Uh, the movie is out now, Dune, of course, uh, the remake of the remake of this series of books from Frank Herbert from back in the day. This was The Children of Dune. This was a book club edition from, I want to say, either the late 60s or early 70s. I put this up at auction because sales were literally all over the place. So I started this at $9.99. Plus customer paid shipping, it received three bids and went all the way to twenty-seven dollars. Uh, cost of goods sold on this bad boy was nothing. This was part of a free haul, so nice sale. Model railroad magazines. If you've been playing along for the last couple of years, you've seen a ton of these. I had one buyer that purchased multiple different magazines. These were from the I think. 1990s era, most of this, uh, Layout Design Journal. This was a kind of an independent journal. It's not a big release that talked about how to design 
a model railroad layout. I have a bunch of these. One buyer reached out and bought four of those, plus a layout design elements from Model Railroader magazine, which is the big, the 800-pound gorilla in the model railroading publishing industry. They paid $42 total for these with free shipping. Shipping was still... uh, All of these combined still weighed less than a pound, so my cost of shipping was $3.19. Cost of goods sold on these combined is $0.40, so gross, I made over 100, is that right, 100? 1,000 times my money. (laughs) Whatever, it's a big, big sale. So we will definitely take that. This is your flip of the week. Um, This was another set that I just couldn't find really much of anything on, so I ran it at an auction. It was from... The 1920s and early 1930s from Louisa May Alcott, Little Men, Little Women, and Eight Cousins. Illustrated hardcover books with, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see a fairly ornate spine on the cover. It was a really nice looking collection. I started these at auction at $19.99 plus shipping. It got 12 bids and finally closed out at $51 plus shipping. So not a bad sale. Again, this was... I think I've got about 50 cents each in these, so cost of goods sold is about a buck and a half, and they sold for $51. So that wraps up the What Sold segment for the week. Let me pop back into the chat here one last time. If you have anything, speak now or forever hold your peace, or at least until next week. Uh, BM says, when you run percentage sales, percentage off sales in eBay, do you also send offers to new watchers on sale items? Normally, I do. Normally, I'm running 20 25%, maybe sometimes as much as 30% off. And if I see somebody that watches those items, I will generally send an offer for another 15% off, just trying to get the thing out of here. This time, I am not doing that because I'm already at 50% off, and I feel like that is plenty generous on these items. So my items eligible for send offers is growing quite rapidly because I've got a lot of folks watching these 50% off items, but I will not be sending additional offers out on those until maybe at the very end of the month. When I get within maybe the last three or four days of this promotion, I may send offers just to try to take one last blast to try to get some of this stuff out of here. But uh, at the present time, I am not. Uh, TRB Collectibles, in response to my question, I am repositioning into media and similar sized items. Right now, I buy anything and everything, and some of the items I buy, when I list them, I go, why did I buy that? Not looking forward to shipping. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Uh, I've talked about that with electronics. I really, I should do more electronics. I, I started my retail career as a commissioned electronics salesperson. I sold VCRs and camcorders and car stereos. I worked for Pioneer Electronics for a while. Uh, So I've got a lot of experience in that area with what would now be considered vintage electronics. So I could do really well with that. But every time I buy one, I look at the box that I'm going to have to create somehow to ship this thing. And I'm like, (laughs) I know I'm going to make good money on this, but it's almost not worth the hassle. I really like the small media items. They're relatively easy to store. They're relatively easy to pack and ship. They're relatively inexpensive to ship. Um, they just, it's a win, win, win. They're not, they can be obviously huge margins, but they're not necessarily high dollar. So you got to make it up in volume, but, uh, media for me, obviously everybody's business model is different. I have tremendous respect for like golden state picker, Mike, who does mostly electronics and is just killing it. I just personally, 
I don't want to mess with the shipping. So I'm with you. <laughs> uh, have fun flipping says, have you had any big business changes goals for 2022? I haven't really given it a ton of thought yet. I, I want to continue to grow my number of listings a, because I've got a, a quote unquote death pile that is essentially half of a storage unit. <laughs> uh, so I've still got a lot of stuff to list. So my target maybe for this year would be to get maybe I'm at 70, almost at 7,800 as of today. So maybe to get to 9,000 listings by the end of the year, I do want to continue to source both those bulk buys and like TRB just said, I still look when I go to estate sales, I'll buy just about anything that I think I can flip for a reasonable profit. Uh, I have not actually been out at an estate sale since, gosh, probably October because I just got so overwhelmed with books. Uh, but I'm looking forward to getting back out there, hopefully in the next week or so, and maybe picking up some things to kind of diversify the inventory because I have listed essentially nothing but books and magazines for the last 60 days. And I'm a little tired of looking at books. <laughs> uh, TRB collectibles. So with that, I can buy supplies that will accommodate similar sizes and I don't have a bunch of random size boxes. Yeah, it makes shipping easier all the way around. I have, I think, three or four sizes of boxes and maybe four or five sizes of padded envelopes. And that's all I need to ship pretty much everything that I sell other than a really big item where I've got a Frankenstein, some kind of box together. Uh, looking forward to seeing Josie next week. Yeah, I won't. <laughs> Maybe I'll get a little picture of her and hang it up on this thing. But, uh, yeah, I don't know what it would even cost me to get a giant Josie printed, uh, rebel junk, uh, LOL, TRB. I bought a VCR, let it sit in my van for a few days, then redonated <laughs> to avoid having to ship it. Yeah. That's some of that big stuff, man. It's, uh, it is a hassle. Uh, Aaron rebel junk says I'm aiming to resell more miniatures and jewelry. Yeah. Small stuff, man. I know a lot of people don't like messing with it and everybody's business is different. I saw a post on Instagram the other day where one reseller was kind of ripping on another one because they had made a buy where the individual profit margin on the item for every item sold was going to be less than $2, but not knowing what the sell through rate is. I, I can't really say if that's a bad buy or not. If you've got 50 an item that you can sell in the course of a month that is small, lightweight, easy to store, pack, and ship, and you can make two bucks a pop and sell 50 in a month, your net returns is 100 bucks. That might fit your business model. So be cautious of who you take advice from, I guess, would be my advice on in kind of on these reselling on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, whatever. When you get someone who says something that they seem convinced is the only way to do this business, remember what your business model is and kind of stay in your lane. Don't be afraid to learn new things, obviously, but don't necessarily take every piece of advice as something that would apply to your business. With that, I am going to close it for this week. We're coming up on an hour. I appreciate everybody who joined in the live. As always, I appreciate everybody also who catches the replay or listens to the actual audio podcast, uh, which continues to grow. Thank you so much to all of you who are out there listening. Uh, just a couple of reminders again. Uh, if you're on YouTube and you got something out of this, please like and subscribe. I got to go back in there. I forgot to delete 
Aaron's comment. So that's covering up my little thumbs up. <laughs> uh, if you got something out of this video, please like and subscribe. If you are listening to the podcast, please feel free over there to follow the podcast at your podcast platform of choice. With that, it is time to sell. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. You have been listening to the Galaxy CDs Rocks and Flips Reseller Talk podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will catch you again next time.